Welcome to Teaching Root. One of the conversations that often goes around the staff rooms is about the education systems of our home countries. Yeah. Now, in particular, uh, the home countries that a lot of international teachers happen to be from, are, uh, that we've run into at least, would be Canada, the US, the United Kingdom, uh, New Zealand, and Australia. Um, and I know there's a, a lot of mix, I'll admit, but these seem to be the most consistent five. Yes. Now, we had this brilliant idea of trying to compare Canada, the U.S., and the United, the U.K.'s systems together. Um, just to kind of give you give a re- brief rundown of the differences. We opted not to do Australia and New Zealand. No offense to you guys. We do absolutely love you guys. Trust me, I've got a lot of friends from your nations. However... But they seem to be doing better. There don't seem to be as many complaints about those systems. No. Like, you go, you run into an American teacher in the staff room or a U.K. teacher in the staff room. You're like, I'm never going home to teach. But people in Australia and New Zealand seem to like teaching at home. Now, if we're wrong, make a comment below. Tell us about it, because honestly... We've got good impressions of you guys. Yeah, and the truth is, when you hear people complaining, it's often people from the UK, Canada, and the the US about their home country's education systems. Mm -hmm. So, we did decide to do some quick checks on how the three compare. Yeah, and we're just kind of, we're looking into the perceptions. We have not gone through the hard, factual research studies. No, and bear in mind, we are neither economists nor anything to do with finance. We are simply trying to gather as much information as we can. So if we are wrong on stuff, yup. Gonna happen. Gonna happen, probably. Please correct us if we're wrong, but the reality is what we've seen is hard to get really consistent. Uh, So when we talk about stuff... It's, it's not the most straightforward thing. So first thing we want to do is outline the key similarities between the three of them. Yes. Um, the first one is that in terms of the overall philosophical approach to the three country school systems, there is a big push in all three towards a more holistic education. Uh, Canada seems to have adopted it the most, but... To measure that is really hard. Yes. So that's based on perceptions. Canada seems to have adopted the more holistic approach to education, but the U.S. is definitely well into it with things like responsive classroom, fixed versus growth mindset, things like that. Um, the U.K. is on its way, though they are still known for more of the quote-unquote industrial education, um, teaching to the class, teacher is you know, sage on the stage philosophy. But there is a big movement towards that. All three countries still use standardized testing. They do, and rather heavily. Uh, It seems to be the U.S. does it the most, as there is a lot of state-to-state comparisons. Um, And a lot of of states use the standardized testing as a way of measuring teacher salaries, as well as public funding. So there's that. Um, Canada does do them, don't get me wrong, and... But as far as we understand, there's not as many, and there's been a big push against them. Yes. Um, as well, uh, the countries have a government that approves all outcomes. The outcomes, roughly speaking, I'm talking very roughly speaking, are similar. We're not saying they're identical. There's differences in math, science, reading, how they're done, what systems are used, etc. But for the most part... The overall 
is that there's not drastic differences in the outcomes that are set. We're not talking about delivery of the outcomes. We're not talking about teaching to the test. Any of that, we're talking about the language and wording in the outcomes seems roughly similar. Yes. Um, and I've worked in the, Canadian, in the Canadian school system, and I've also worked in U.S. international schools, which use the Common Core outcomes. And roughly speaking, the language isn't quite the same, but the outcomes and the idea behind them are very similar. Yes. So based on that, the other, the other commonality is that there is a system of government that establishes those outcomes. The United Kingdom, on a federal level, creates the outcomes. There is a federal Department of Education, as far as I understand it, or something of that nature. They have a national curriculum. They have a national curriculum. The United States has that same national curriculum. But... But... State to state, they can choose to follow it or not. And a lot of states do not. Um, Canada, on the other hand, doesn't do it that way. Province to province, they establish their own, uh, they establish their own curriculums. Those curriculums are quite similar, with the most reputed of them being Ontario's and Alberta's. However, there is one exception to that rule, and that's in the east coast of Canada. Um, Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland... Are work as a collective to establish their outcomes. So the so there's an eastern, the eastern seaboard. Yeah, the eastern seaboard kind of does their thing. They they kind of establish it together as a collective, uh, and that's due to a variety of reasons. Um, well, they've got much smaller populations, so it kind of makes sense to pool the resources. It does. I mean, uh, Nova Scotia having the biggest one, Prince Edward Island having the smallest. Um, so it's that's kind of how Canada works in just in terms of. Establishing their outcomes. Um, so, so those outcomes are relatively similar. Now, then we start realizing that, like, we keep hearing in the news about, you know, the U.S. is really struggling in certain areas, and the U.K. is struggling in some areas, and Canada being, admittedly, and we're not tooting our own horn, we're saying this is simply the truth, um, Canada seems to be consistently up there in terms of overall scoring and perception. And, you know, I have to say that when I was reading about the scores that Canada was getting on some of the stuff, I was surprised they were as high as they were. Yeah. I was not expecting that. No, I wasn't either. And, there, I mean, we're going to get into some reasons as to why that could be the case. Notice we said could be. Yes, there is no absolutes on this one. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's this sort of thing is too hard to peg down to an exact science, an exact reason why. No. But I'm sure if we brought somebody like Malcolm Gladwell in here, he'd be able to point to a certain tree and say, that's why. Yep, so if I flukishly, Mr. Gladwell, you're listening, please contact us. We love you. Um, revisionist history. A little plug. Um, anyways, so um, just to give you an idea, um, on our, the UK, last check devotes 6.3% of their GDP towards education. Mm-hmm. The US does it with 7.3% of their GDP towards it, and Canada does 5.5%. Now, that's kind of interesting, since Canada's often ranking higher. Yes, and that also... they're giving less money. Yes, and that also is given... Also given that Canada has a GDP of 1.53 trillion, last US dollars last we checked. The UK has has one of 2.619 billion, and the US is 18.37 billion GDP. Now, I know GDP is a complicated thing. I can't even profess to know uh, everything about it, I'm just simply stating the stats and that that can relate to things. Um, 
the other big difference in the three systems is that the UK and Canada are more socialist-driven nations. I'm not talking socialism in terms of dictatorships, yada yada. I'm talking in terms of support. Support how much your tax and how much the government controls certain things. Um, the Canadian systems, like Canada, has free health care, etc. The, the UK has that similar thing. The US doesn't have that sort of system in place. So the money devoted and how that how the money moves around the systems changes country to country. Um, and if you know exactly how that does it, please tell us, because that's a really complicated thing and was really hard to find. Um, so that tends to play a role in, in, in it too. And the populations of the countries will also factor into that too. I mean, Canada is, oh, has 36 million, the US has almost 10 times that at 325 million, and then um, the UK has 65.6 million people. So there's a lot of differences in terms of how many kids you're actually educating. You're actually educating, and, and what the and how that impacts things, and how many schools you need. Yeah. Yeah. Canada probably. I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I'm I'm going to say Canada probably has more one-room schoolhouses still operating. Yes. Than either of those other yeah, countries. Be, being that it is the physically biggest country amongst the three of them. Yep. And second biggest in the world. There's that. Yeah. And I happen to know somebody who taught in a three-grade classroom. Yeah. And still only had about 20 kids. Yeah. That's when you get into the northern parts of Canada. That wasn't northern. Oh. That was just rural. Canada has a lot of rural population. Now, don't get me wrong. The U.S. does have a lot of rural. The U.K. has... Far less rural than either of those two places, simply because it's a lot smaller. Yeah, geographically and, speaking. Yeah, you have, um, you know, the UK. I don't know what the geographic landmass is compared to Canada's, but it's a lot less for almost double the population. Mm -hmm. um, so those factors all play a role in this, and it would take us an hour to and a lot more research than we have time for to try and get into those factors. Something else that sticks out is, well, everybody's favorite topic, salaries. Yes. Now, hilariously, when you compare and you start putting these things together, it, it's not that different. They're not hugely different. So it's we not... went through and we tried to find numbers that were going to be um, from the same year or at least within a year or two of each other. Yeah. And... Then we had to convert into one single currency. We chose the U.S. dollar because simply that's what everyone Everybody can understand that one, yeah. Uh, not uh, complaining, that's just what it is. It is. Um, so what we found uh, was the numbers not being hugely different. No. So within Canada, salaries vary greatly from one end of the country to the other. And we took out the um, territories just because Canada, you get a special allowance if you live up there, yep. which can significantly increase your salary. Yes, and skews the results. And skews the results. How, so we took that one out and we just looked at the 10 provinces. Yeah. And we were finding that in actuality, Quebec was coming in um, on the lower end, but that was... 31,000 American. Uh, yeah. And on top, we had... Where's the top one? The top one would be Alberta. Alberta at 71,000. But those would be starting teacher salaries. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the absolute top of the top, 
you've got Ontario at 92,000, and on the bottom will be PEI 70. Those but, were Canadian numbers, the, by the way. Yeah, Canadian dollars, 90, by the way. 92,000 Canadian. Yeah. But, bear, but bearing in mind, of course, just like any other country, the cost of living plays a role in your teacher salary. Hugely. Um, where I'm from, the average teacher salary is 87,000. That being said, where I'm from also has a really low cost of living. So you could save a lot. Yes. So because if you're in Toronto, you know, you're paying 1200 for a small apartment versus where I'm from, $1,200 to get you a two-bedroom house. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of different in that way. But anyways, what we're saying is Canada on average hovers between thirty-one and 71000 U.S. Uh, for the average teacher salary. Um, in the, the Americans. In the Americans, yeah. The, we've got a, adjusted for cost of living, by the way, this one is. Yes. Uh, the low end is Hawaii at $40,000, $40, and the high end is Michigan at seventy one. So Hawaii, actually on paper, if you look at a Hawaiian teacher's contract, they get paid a whole lot more, but the cost of living, that lush paradise lifestyle, takes your salary right back down. Yeah. So on the low ends, you get 31 in Canada versus 40 in the in the in Hawaii, and the high end you get 71 versus uh, 71. 71. Um, and then the, you go over to the UK, jump across the pond. Yeah. The low end, 29,000. Not much different from that 31. Yeah. They're talking about US dollars, by the way. But the high end is does play a role here. The high end, based on what we could find, was only 52,000 American dollars. American dollars versus on Canada, the United States was. 71. So you could actually make more money working in North America than you could in the UK. Yeah. So there's that does play a role. I think another thing that factors into all this is perception of the job of teaching. Hmm. I see that for whatever reason, and I don't understand why, teachers are not respected in the US. I think there's a bit, uh, let's rephrase that. I think sure. on the governmental level, that seems to be based on how much money they and how much time and effort they put into the um, budget, that seems to be the case. Public perception seems to think U.S. The teachers are great, for the most part. And you'll hear celebrities talk about how hard they work, yada, yada. However, uh, when push comes to shove, it becomes a, you know, it's the teacher's fault mentality. Yes. Um, the U.K. seems to have a similar thing going for it. Canada kind of does, but teachers still have a pretty good public perception, um, and it's reflected in the teacher salaries. And as a aside, by the way, I do know that um, in the Scandinavian countries, they, the perception of being a teacher is really, really high. Yes. Um, so I think that plays into if your job is perceived as being useful, then intrinsically you will value it more. Now, by the way, we've said this, but I've read that since 1987, the teaching workforce in the U.S. has gone up by 49%, versus the student population has only gone up by 19%. So, so they were either that... compensating back then for a lack, or the perception of what a teacher does has gotten more valuable. Um, and... I mean, I was like, my, both my parents were in the teacher, were in the education world. So the perception of what a teacher did, and I'm, I might be a bit skewed on that one because I was raised in that world. Um, so bear in mind all the stuff we're saying, you know, there's lots of biases. Um, so we've got these major things, uh, you know, kind of factoring in here. One last thing we want to talk about, and we can bear in mind what we're about to talk about. It's a standardized test, PISA results, you know, 2015. It's 
it's one of those things we know that standardized testing is not the best way to measure what's going on in a classroom. But at this point, we don't have anything else. No. So if we come up with something better, cool. Or if you know of something that is worldwide perceived as being better, tell us. Um, However, PISA results are what we go by. Um, Canada, on average, for reading, is rates third in the world. The U.S., on average, for reading, rates 27th. And the U.K., on average, for reading, rates 22nd. Yeah. Um, Science? Canada rates 7th. The U.S. rates 25th. And the UK rates 16th. And that was shocking to me, too. Yeah. Like, not only was the reading stuff shocking to me, I figured that the UK would definitely be higher than Canada. Yeah. Um, But I figured the Americans would be much better in sciences. Yes. Like, they pour all of that money into STEM education. Yes. And as for someone who does work in STEM, it's phenomenal. It's really cool. So who knows? But it's not coming out on the standardized tests. No. Um, that, and that could be the way of the constructed. And the last thing is in math. Canada rates 11th in math. Uh, the U.S. rates 29th. And the U.K. rates 28th. So, yeah. I mean, the result... Take that for what it's... Take the grain of salt situation. Yep. Um, take that for what it's worth. How So... Bear in mind, like, there's a lot to bear in mind here with these results and how much they play. Like, it's... It's something where, on paper, it looks like, go work in Canada. Yeah. So that's kind of a nutshell of those, of the three. Um, We know it's not as comprehensive as it could be because we only want to, don't want to keep you guys board for too long. Um, but now you've got a couple tidbits of information to take back to your staff room the next time somebody starts complaining about their education system at home. Yes. So you might have you might be able to throw that out there and then I mean it can lead to some pretty big arguments because admittedly it is like a national pride issue. <laughs> um, but you uh, but it it plays a role. By the way, what we're saying here is mostly lower than like grade 12 and lower. Yes, we're, we're not, not talking, talking about tertiary education at all. We're talking about primary or elementary and secondary. Um, so these are just things that we've talked about, we've heard, we've been working through and looked at numbers on. So bear this in mind as you go forth and argue with thine colleagues. Have fun. We'll see you next time. <laughs>